Hello and welcome back to the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks, and we are back after the summer break. Today, I'm joined by Michael Jones. How are you, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Feeling refreshed and more than anything, just like thoroughly excited for the new season. And I'm, you know, as bland as it is, I'm just going to be repeating that word for the next 45 minutes to an hour. No problem at all. Good to have you back, Michael. And we've got Francesco Ainsbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. I'm I'm well. Like Michael, I'm also very excited about the return of Serie A, so looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I can understand your excitement. Um, and I just wanted to sort of get your general thoughts, Michael. You, you said you were going to keep saying that word excitement, but it's, it's also a bit unpredictable, isn't it? I, I think people are really struggling to sort of think, you know, see how this season unfolds perhaps what do you think yeah absolutely I mean you look at last season I thought last season was uh, the way the season panned out was a kind of unpredictable season from what we saw it as maybe being this time last year this time around I think you know we're going into the season thinking it's going to be a lot more unpredictable than last season I think the there's such contrasting, especially at the top of the table, there's such contrasting transfer business and policies implemented by teams. But needless to say, in terms of both departures as well as arrivals, most teams have been pretty active as well. And I think it's almost like it's a case of seeing which formula sort of pans out best. And I think if ever there was a season where who has had the best window could decide who has the title. It could be this season, but because of these sort of varying approaches, it's just going to be so unpredictable at this point to have a good idea of, you know, who that will be. And nevertheless, I know that makes all the predictions ever the more fun as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those seasons where maybe one or two predictions that we that I get you to do later, we look back at the end of the season and, and it doesn't go right, but but it makes sense now, if you know what I mean. Um, so, Francesco, I'm going to get to you first. And I just want to, as Michael said, it's been very active this summer. I wanted to get your thoughts on which club has done the best business for you and, and why you think that. I think it's hard to look past Roma. Um, you know, they've made a collection of really high-profile signings. I'd say most of all Dybala, but Wijnaldum, Matic... I think all of those players are going to go straight into Roma's starting lineup. And on paper, I'd say that they're the team that has improved the most in terms of their starting 11 going into the season. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if you were asking me, I, I would go with Roma. I think especially the front kind of six, front seven, depending on how they play, is much improved on last season. And they look like they're going to be a match for anyone. Um, I've still got a few concerns about their defence, but but going forwards, they should be super exciting this season. Um, the other teams I'd mention, um, you know, I think I think quite a few of the top sides have had solid windows. Um, I think the other teams worth mentioning are Monza. You know, they've just come up from Serie B. When, when Berlusconi took over Monza, he said that he wasn't going to sign any players with tattoos and he wasn't going to sign any players that weren't Italian. I mean, that's gone out the window. Um, <laughs> Because he's signed lots of... Berlusconi uh, not sticking to his word. What's going on? (laughs) But he has made... I I think they've made some really good signings. A lot of them are Italian. You know, they brought in Cranio from from Cagliari, Ranocchia, Sensi, Pessina, 
Caprari, loads of the players, uh, you know, who've had really solid um, seasons last year and, and beyond last season. Uh, they've also brought in Marlon from Shakhtar Donetsk. So uh, there's rumours they're, they're, they're interested in Petagna, Icardi even. Um, I think already their, their window is, is very encouraging and, and I expect them to stay up, but, you know, it could get even better. So I think they're worth a mention as well. Yeah, they've also signed quite a few players on like on loan at the moment, so they haven't really splashed the cash. They've they've signed a ridiculous number of players, and I think Pacina's the one who stands out for me. As you know, um, re I really liked him at Atalanta, particularly the season before last. Um, obviously, part of that Italy side that won the Euros and was really effective off the bench for them. How about you, Michael? What, what are your thoughts on you know a, a potentially a club that stands out for you in this transfer window? Yeah, so I think it's hard to ignore both Roma and Monza. I think they've both had fantastic windows. But, you know, they're the two clubs that have maybe had the most eye-catching windows. One of the clubs who I actually thinks had a really good window, but maybe gone slightly under the radar, is Lazio. I think we saw Maurizio Sarri maybe struggle to build a team in his image in his first summer and was set working under quite a lot of restrictions. And I think he still is. But... I think he's really starting to build a squad that fits and suits Sarri Ball um, a lot more this season. There's a few sort of eye-catching ones. Luis Maximiano from Granada, you know, one of the port, uh, goalkeepers regularly challenging it or in the Portugal squad, only 23 years old. I think that's a great catcher. Marcos Antonio, you know, they've got him from Shakhtar Donetsk when he was a regular sort of Champions League player, again, only 22 and then they kind of complemented it. And Nicola Casale, I'd also say, is a really good young player who was a standout for Hellas Verona last season in their top 10 finish. But then they've also sort of complemented this with some players on sort of closer to the other side or the other side of their 20s. Or in Vicino's case, he was 30, which surprised me because I thought he'd be way older. He feels like he's been around forever. Matthias Vicino, but I feel like, you know, they've got Vicino and they've got Alessio Romagnoli and both players have kind of drifted away from that starting 11 for both Milan sides in recent years. And I feel like they're both coming in at a good level with a real point to prove. And, you know, ultimately they, they really should have a point to prove because they're two very talented footballers who we've not seen the best of in the past couple of years. So if Sarri can kind of get that out and I think he's replaced the areas that are such problem areas, both on and off the pitch with the likes of Strakosha, um, Acherby last season. I think there's a real case to be excited for Lazio. Um, I'd say they maybe need one more attacking signing, um, maybe an inverted forward or winger, just to maybe keep going. But they've also kept hold of the, you know, Milinkovic, Savic and Luis Alberto for the time being. So if they well, keep well, that squad the together... Isn't it? I, I think every season we think, oh, well, Milinkovic, Savic will go this summer. And somehow he hasn't yet. Um, you know, we've seen reports with Man United and all this stuff. I don't think he'll go to Man United. No one seems to be going to Man United. Um, why would you want to? Um, and, and then Luis Alberto was linked with Sevilla, but they went with Isco. And I think maybe they'll leave Luis Alberto now. So it looks like Lazio might keep hold of both of them miraculously so so yeah that's an interesting call there um I still sometimes in you know predicted 11 see Lazio going oh well we're going to play Romagnoli but perhaps next to Patrick and I think oh Lazio is still struggling then but um but we shall see uh maybe they'll play yeah I don't know we'll, we'll see maybe they can get Patrick out of the lineup but who knows um 
Francesco, I want to move on to the other side of the coin, which is, is there a club that's concerned you with their transfer business? You know, perhaps lost a few players or haven't really brought anyone in that you think can improve them? Uh, yeah. Um, I think of the top sides, I'd say Atalanta. Um, you know, they, we, we've just spoken about Pessina. I think he is quite a big loss. Um, they have brought in Lookman. Um but it's not so much about the business they have or haven't done. It's more how disappointed Gasperini seems with, with the market, uh, you know, their transfer market. He's, he came out this week and he said, this isn't the Atalanta I wanted. Um, and he's already kind of playing down their chances of, of repeating the success they've had in, in you know, recent seasons. Um, I think he seemed quite fed up with it. Um, and I don't know if, you know, he's, he's feeling like... Um, you know, maybe his time at Atalanta is, is you know, naturally coming to an end um, or, or or this kind of golden period in their history is, is naturally coming to an end. It, it feels a bit like that at the moment. Um, there's also quite strong, you know, rumours linking Malinowski and, and Freuler away from Atalanta. So at the moment, it feels like they're, you know, they're going to be a, a less strong squad uh, going into the season and... It feels like a lot of the enthusiasm that, that was surrounding Atalanta has kind of, you know, left them as well. Um, well I, I want to I, I ask you a, a bit about Atalanta, actually, in that um, it, the thing is, it seems to have unraveled quite quickly. I feel like, you know, the end of last year, they were still sort of battling for top four, as we'd expect. Um, but now, you know, there were rumours at the end of last season that Gasparini wanted to leave. He has stuck around for now, but... What they were so good at for years is losing their big players, but replacing them so well. Is is there like a particular departure from the club in terms of players that you think, oh, that sort of has kick-started this, you know, descent that they've had? Or or has just losing all these players over the years just finally caught up with them, maybe? I don't know. I don't know if there's one specific departure. I mean, the, the name I'd say was would be um, the, the, when, when they lost... I can't remember what his name is. The Argentinian guy, the Argentinian winger. You'd think that that would be the oh, Alejandro the Gomez. Gomez. When they lost Gomez, when they lost Gomez, um, you'd you'd think that would be the moment when Atalanta, you know, kind of lost their talisman, probably their best player. But they bounced back from that really well. I think if anything, their squad is stronger now than it was when they had Gomez. And even if you look at their team on paper and the squad that they've got it's not a bad squad. You know, right now it's not a terrible squad. It just feels like all the enthusiasm has, has kind of left them. And, and it's not really clear why, um, you know, it's not clear why Gasparini wanted to leave last season. It's not as if they had a terrible season. You know, we're talking about Atalanta. This is a club that until kind of five or six years ago, we would have associated with, with fighting relegation, not, not fighting for European places. It's, you know, they're still one of the top five or six clubs in Italy as of last season. And the squad they have right now, this I know that some players might leave before the end of the transfer window, is not a bad squad. You would still expect them to fight for at least to, to get into, you know, the Europa League, something like that, possibly even better than that. So it isn't clear, you, you know, it's a good question, Sam, because it's not really that clear why, you know, why there is this lack of enthusiasm. Definitely. Um, do, you, do you want to add anything, Michael? Or is, is there another team perhaps that concerns you? Yeah, I mean, I'll get on to the other team in a second. But, I mean, just a quick word on Atalanta. I do think it's quite no interesting this summer that they've not had that marquee departure. I mean, I feel like every summer, and it's almost a sign of, you know, like you were saying, it's almost a sign of the 
the success of that environment that they've cultivated. And you just feel that, I just feel that maybe, you know, with Gasparini's unhappiness at the helm, that maybe that is maybe also breeding an environment where players are just flourishing a bit less. I think they've never replaced that creative hope with Gomez, as you said a lot of times last season. Luckman, I think, is a good signing, but confuses me because I think it's a very similar profile to Boga. And I, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with Francesca. I'm concerned for them. I mean, the other team I'm concerned for, but in a slightly different perspective, is Napoli. I mean, you can't ignore the fact that, you know, they've lost two of their attacking talisman, the defensive leader, the rock at the back, you know, three huge players who have defined Napoli almost in the past five years, you know, in some case for Insignia longer. And it's really the players they're looking to bring in are very much at the other end of their career. I mean, I know, I think Sirigi has just joined. And there are some exciting rumours, you know, it looks like Raspadori may be done and that could be a really exciting replacement. But with Spalletti, you know, going into his second season, there's, he's going to have to get working pretty quick with this new team. I know they've signed a South Korean international from Fenerbahce as well. I think it's Kim Min-jae. Yeah. Um, but that's huge boots to fill regarding, you know, the departing or the departed Koulibaly. So I'm, I'm I'm a bit concerned for Napoli at this point, but I feel like their window is still quite young. Yeah, I mean, in, in Koulibaly's case, you're trying to replace one of the two best centre-backs in Serie A over the last decade, it's him and Chiellini, right? So, yeah, as you say, huge shoes for Kim to fill. Just with Atalanta, the only thing I'd say is they you say they haven't lost a marquee name, but instead they seem to be losing two or three really good sort of underrated players. Pacina's already gone. And as Francesco mentioned, Broiler's about to go. I've always thought Broiler's really underrated himself. And perhaps when these players go and you don't replace them properly, you know, gradually you decline a little bit. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, just, that, that's just the way it seems to be going. Um, but talking about players that are leaving, the, the next thing I wanted to say is, you know, this seems to be the case every year in Syria now because they, you know, they don't have the money of some other leagues. We've seen some really big names depart the league. We've already mentioned a few. Um, is there someone that's gone this summer, Francesca, that you're that you're really going to miss? Who, you know, is, has just been someone you've really loved watching in Syria over the years? Yeah, a, a couple of players stand out for me. Um, I think Frank Kessier, uh, and what, one of the reasons that this feels disappointing to me is that. This Milan side at the moment feels quite exciting. You know, apart from the fact that they've just won the league, it feels like a team that is still getting better, still going places, very young side. They've added some really interesting players this summer. And, um, you know, Kessier's ended up leaving Milan to go to Barcelona, which at the moment feels like quite a messy place to go. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure it's an upgrade. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to get a bit more money. And, and right now, they, they probably are a better side. That, but... But in terms of a career development and, and where the, these two sides are going, you know, it would have been nice to see Kessie stick around. I think he's been one of the most important players for Milan, arguably the most important player of their recent in their in their recent success. So it is a shame to see him go. And the other one is is Mertens for different reasons. Uh, you know, I think he's become a bit of a, a legend in, in Naples. Um, you know, Napoli's top scorer of all time, and. Um, it, it feels to me like it wouldn't have taken much to get him to stay at Napoli, but also it wouldn't have taken much to get him to stay in Italy somewhere else if, if Napoli weren't prepared to keep him. So 
to see him leave the league completely when he seemed completely enamored with with the city and the country you know he's such a, a likable character and and such an you know he's a great player to watch i think and and i think he has achieved legendary status so to see him go is also quite disappointing yeah i think lazio were linked with him for a little while weren't they you know sort of reunion with sari but but he has ended up leaving as you say and on on uh, on kessier um you know he's absolutely flourished under pioli hasn't he really found a spot for him and um as we speak on Thursday night, he's not actually registered to play in La Liga. So yeah. uh, we're going to have to see how that plays out. As you say, it's very... Um, My return, I'm afraid, to AC Milan before <laughs> the season starts. Yeah, so, yeah, a bit crazy. But um, how, how about you, Michael? Is, are there any players you're going to really miss um, watching in Serie A? Yeah, so I'm going to apply Francesco's logic to this. And in terms of, so the first one with Kessie has kind of gone with more of the impact player. And in that sense, I go with Ivan Perisic. I think he was fantastic. Uh, I think he's been absolutely fantastic. We've seen him probably in his best two years or my favourite two years of watching him, at least in the best team, playing a big part in, in Inter Milan's best team in the past two years, left wing back and front in the second half of the season. As Frank Kessier had a case to be for AC Milan, I think Perisic had a great case to be argued to be Inter Milan's best player in the second half of the season. I think he was right up there in terms of consistency, level of performances and contribution to both defence and attack. They've got Gerson's coming in and it's brilliant replacement if he stays fit. But I, I, I think Perisic is one of those players who often just gets so little over and I think he probably will be for years to come. Um, then sort of applying the Mertens logic, shall we call it, I will go for uh, be rude not to mention Giorgio Chiellini on this. I mean, he's been such a symbol of Serie A over the last decade um, of Italian football on a wider level on the international stage for Italy. Of course, that's also come to an end. Obviously, had Italy gone to the World Cup, it's most likely Michelini said himself he would have stayed on for another season. And the way he was playing last season, I just felt he had that other season in him. But I completely understand the logic of him going with maybe achieved everything he's wanted to achieve and what, what he can achieve realistically with Juventus and Italy now. So, yeah, I would say those two are the sort of big departures that I'm quite sad about. As long with Kessier, I, I, I would have said for Kessier, Francesco, not also. Yes, I mean, that that you that dominant Juventus side, the, the two, you know, people that spring to mind for me immediately are, are Chiellini and Buffon. Um, and, and, you know, Buffon went a couple of years ago and Chiellini, this summer, so we'll be, we'll be interested to see how Juve get on this year. Um, but having said that, we've we've lost a lot of players this summer. There's also been some quite high-profile signings this summer. So, um, Francesco, is uh, you know, can can you name a big signing that you're really looking forward to seeing in Serie? A? Yeah, I've got I've got two or three. Okay, the Ketelet is uh, is quite an exciting signing. Uh, I've not seen much of him. I've seen little bits, and and he looks great. Um, I like that Milan are investing in in a young player like that, and he is the kind of player they needed. I think um, people have been comparing him to to Kevin De Bruyne and Kaká. I think that's probably to do with the fact that he's Belgium and he's going to play for Milan. But and I, I'd be surprised if he's as good as those two. But um, who knows? So yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. I also like Jovic, um, 
coming in at Fiorentina. You know, it's an interesting move. It's the kind of move that, that I really agree with. You know, these players that end up at huge European teams that aren't really able to break through, but they've obviously got talent. And um, and for a team like Fiorentina, that is the kind of player I would be going through. And, you know, I think he's going to be excite- an exciting signing. And uh, and the last one I've written down is Kovara Skelia. Uh, you know, <laughs> he said we can call him Kovara, which is probably what we'll be going with. Um, the new Napoli, the new Georgian winger for Napoli. You know, yeah. he's coming in to... He's basically going to be replacing Insignia, so it's not an easy job. But he's had a really positive preseason. You know, he's looked really, really good. So they're already very excited about him in Naples. And yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what he gets up to. Yeah, I like I like that shout at the end, definitely. Um, how about you, Michael? Any, any names that stand out for you? Yeah, I mean, sticking well, going back to AC Milan, one of the players I'm really excited to see how he gets on, hopefully with a really prominent role in the team, is Divo Carigi. I think it's one of he's one of those players who weirdly seems to have developed without playing time in the past couple of years with Liverpool, such as you know, the brilliance of Jurgen Klopp's coaching. And you know, at 27 years of age, he just looks so ready to play a big role for a team. And I think it's yet to be seen what role that is for AC Milan, you know, with Giroud and Ibrahimovic still there. But I'm kind of hoping if he does, he, he does seem one of those players who isn't really faced by the big stage. I don't think he'll be particularly, I don't, he doesn't strike me as a player who'll be phased by playing at the San Siro. And I think if anything, he could really thrive. And if he is able to sort of really sort of fast track that development now, obviously many people thought it would have come a few years ago. I think that's really exciting one. Staying in Milan, I think Andrea Nana is a, a really intriguing one. You know, one of Inter Milan's downfalls was that both the goalkeeper and the backup goalkeeper, even in Radu, it was a short stint, but he did a lot of damage during that game. Um, however, yeah, Onana arrives as a goalkeeper of a burgeoning reputation. Obviously, he had the drugs ban make of that, what you will. It seems quite controversial from everything I've read about it, but... He, he certainly will be arriving with a player really looking to prove a point. And um, we've looked at the success Mike Man, the impact Mike Mignon had um, replacing a sort of a stellar goalkeeper in Donnarumma um, for AC Milan. And I, I have a feeling Anana could have a really similar impact for Inter Milan. Um, in terms of other arrivals that I'm really looking forward to, I, I would say maybe Angel Di Maria. I'm, I just, I just don't know what he's going, what his role is going to be in this Juventus team. I have a feeling Allegri doesn't know what his role is going to be in this Juventus team just yet, because I feel like they can, they may chop and change between formations, um, particularly during the season. But he's a player of obviously immense talent, and it'd be great to see how he gets on. Yeah, just, just another player I'd mention. I mean, he's not. I don't know if he really counts in this section because he's not new to Italy, but um, I think overall the most exciting transfer for me is is Dybala going to to Roma. Um, I think Dybala is is probably one of the most, if not the most, aesthetically pleasing players to watch in in Serie. A. I think at Juve it never feels like they they used him completely correctly, and um, and I feel like at Roma there is a chance of that happening and. You can see how well he's been received at Roma. You know, they're obviously extremely excited about him being there. And I hope that that he finds the right place in this side, that, that Mourinho puts him in a place where he can really show his quality because 
you know, if if Dybala is able to to make a big impact and, and lead Roma in a title challenge, I think that would be pretty special. Yeah, definitely. That's that's one that, that I'm looking forward to as well with with Dybala. Um, I, I just want to sort of quickly fr- uh, flick through some of the top teams now and and just assess how you think they're looking going into the season, and then we'll finish up with some predictions after that. So you know, we talked. We'll start with Milan as they're the reigning champions. Um, we talked about how they brought in De, De um and. Uh, Divock Origi, they've lost Romagnoli and Kessier. So, so how do you think that squad's looking, Michael, heading into the new season? Do you think they can be pretty confident of having another another strong year and, and, and a title tilt? Yeah, I think we could be. I mean, they were quite they were a pretty attacking team last season, but I think this could be a real full throttle AC Milan team this season with Rafael Leal continuing his trajectory. He's on De Kettler, I think might take a little bit of time to adjust. He can also sort of play in that false nine position. They've got so many forward options now. And it does feel like a lot of the young players, like Sabrahim Diaz, are all developing at a good pace. Um, they could be sort of more entertaining in the sense that the, I think that Kessier departure does leave them with a level of vulnerability that probably, in my opinion, needs to be addressed this window. And I'm not very convinced that they have. And I actually think if that isn't, that really could be what might be the difference between them being Scudetto winners again. Um, I think it is such a big departure, but I expect them to be up there competing and I think that'll be really exciting to watch. How about you, Francesco? What do you think about Milan? I actually think Milan's uh, transfer window has been solid, pretty decent. Obviously, it's disappointing to lose Kessier, but... I think De Ketelaire is, is a great signing. He has been quite expensive, but it's where I would spend money on, on young players like him. I, you know, Michael's already spoken about Origi. I think that's also a decent signing. I think I like Adley. I think even Pobega coming in, you know, that the, there is a bit of depth now to that midfield. And considering that at the beginning of the window, or, or you know, it looks like for a while that Maldini and Massara were going to end up leaving Milan. Who knows why? They, they couldn't arrange contracts or whatever after winning the league and Milan fans were really upset about how that was affecting their transfer window and they, they did get off to a slow start. I think they've actually done a pretty good job. Um, and, you know, it's not over yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Milan had, had some more before the window closes. So I'd say all in all, Milan are at least as good as they were, probably better than they were at the, at the beginning of last season, even with the loss of Kessier. Yes, yeah, certainly look to have um, had a decent window so far with a couple of weeks to go. On to Inter now, who, of course, you know, really pushed Milan last year and it, it went down to the final day. Um, you know, they brought Lukaku back, haven't they? And, um, and and they haven't lost any of their big players yet. I mean, you know, Ivan Perisic had a great year last year, but, you know, he is into his 30s now. And I don't think we're that surprised. But we do know about their financial issues. Do you think they might have to lose a big player between now and the end of the window, Michael, and that and that could sort of derail them a little bit? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I, I actually think the departure may also be one of their centre-backs as well, which I do think is pretty concerning because the impression kind of got from rumours and, well, I think a bid was actually launched, was that Bremer was going to be the man who would come in if one of the centre-backs was to depart. He's gone to Juventus. I think it's a poor move, personally. We'll see how it turns out. But, but I think he would have into a far better environment for him to go to in terms of the way they play. 
But I, yeah, I, I think that's, if they do keep the squad together as it is, which I'm not confident they will, I think they've got a real good chance of challenging for the title. I still think they do without, um, you know, given how good the likes of Bastoni is. And I don't think he'll be going anywhere. But I, I, I do think that's probably, again, similar to the Kessier thing, I think that centre-back issue could be um, a big one for Inter. And they, you kind of hope that they have a contingency plan in place in case they do cash, cash in, in one of the centre-backs. Yeah, of course, the other name that's sort of been mentioned that they might look to sell is Dumfries after just one year. Um, what are your thoughts on Inter, Francesco? Are you looking forward to having Lukaku back as well? Someone we haven't talked about too much yet, but, you know, he's back after, you know, a dreadful year at Chelsea, but he was excellent last time at Inter, right? Yeah, I I think it's a good move. Uh, you know, the way they've managed to engineer it financially is, is good and... I do think I, I think Deco had a good season last season, but I do think Lukaku is an upgrade. Um, and if he plays anywhere near as well as he did in this first in the Inter, then you know they they should definitely be in the title race. Um, I, I think he's had an okay preseason. He looks a bit out of shape still, but um, you know I think he is going to get going, and and he has been scoring goals even even not looking at his best. So I think that is a good signing. And the other thing that, I, that Inter have done, which I quite like, is they've they've uh, picked up some better backup options in midfield. I think one of the things that really cost them last season was when Brozovic and Barella and Chanaloglu weren't available, you know, in some key games, you know, I'm thinking the Liverpool games, um, there was a couple of games when Vecino was playing as playmaker and, and you could see the difference when, when those three starters aren't there. So picking up Aslani and Mkhitaryan, you know, I think that's really smart business. Uh, they're probably not going to start um, but but when those players are missing, they are going to play a part, and I think that's a big improvement on last season. And I think what Michael said is is true, really. Uh, I think if Inter go into this, you know, if the window closes now and Inter go into the season as they are, they're they're one of the favourites for the title. If they lose Skriniar, um, which looks like as a possibility that could happen, that you know, without bringing in a a solid replacement, then uh, then it could be a different story. Okay, I'm, I now want to move on to Juve, who, who we've mentioned a little bit. Um, and and with Juventus, th- this is going to be a really interesting season, I think. Um, I personally feel that, you know, if he didn't have all the, you know, uh, in, in you know in reserve in in the bank from what he'd done in previous years, Allegri may have been sacked last year because it was it was really poor. They finished fourth again, and you know. It, the season probably went worse than it did under Pirlo because under Pirlo they won the Coppa Italia. So do you see it, Michael, that Allegri's under a lot of pressure and he has to make this Juve side click this year? Yeah, absolutely. And more than click, he's got to make them entertaining. I mean, this is a team that were not in the top 10 for goals or expected goals last season. Creativity, there was no real fulcrum to that. They struggled so much. And they have addressed that, you know, Pogba, Di Maria, uh, Kostic at fullback, they'll go a long way to addressing that. But I'm really concerned for them defensively. And, you know, I think the one thing that might sort of bode in Allegri's favour is that he's probably going to be a bit better at getting more out of defenders than he is attackers. And I think if there is, if they, they, if they are clicking moving forwards, hopefully that will breed confidence in the rest of the team. But as I expressed, I do have a bit of concern over Bremer making a step up into a back two. I think he's a fantastic centre-back, but that's never an easy transition, even for some of the best defenders in the world. 
Yeah, I mean, something I've seen is that you, you said a back two there, but I, I have seen rumours that um, Allegri may switch to a 3-5-2 to start the season, particularly with Kostic maybe coming in as a wing back. But in that 3-5-2, I've seen Danilo as one of the centre-backs. And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? Like, really? Is that... It's almost like he has Pilaqueta role. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I've never really rated Danilo, but yeah, that's I would I wouldn't want to be going into a season like that. How about you, Francesco? Do you see Juve as genuine title contenders this year? You know, they've lost Chiellini, they've lost De Ligt, they've brought in Bremer, but as Michael said, they do look a bit short of the back. I I do see them as title contenders. Um, you know, I I also agree with you that there's a lot of pressure on Allegri to to get things right. The Juve fans are not happy because, as well as you know, uh, statistically being worse than than Pirlo's Juve, they are they were a pretty ugly team to watch last season. I think Allegri's football is not the the most pleasing uh, aesthetically, so it needs to be effective, really, and and it wasn't. Uh, but I do think that they have a they've put together a, a very decent squad, you know. And and the point you say about three five two, I think whilst you know it could uh, you know they could struggle to find that third centre back. I, I mean, it sounds like um, I rate Daniel a little bit high, more highly than you do, Sam. But but anyway, uh, you know it might suit Bremer to play in a three, and it would suit some of the other players. I think Kostic might be better off in a in a midfield five. I think Pogba, his the best football in his career has always been in the midfield three. I'd say. So, you know, it might not be a terrible idea to do that. And, um, you know, I'm excited about seeing Di Maria. I also think that having Vlaovic and Zakaria for a full season, uh, you know, could make a difference to how well they do. So it is, it is a very different team to the, to the Juve team that started last season. Um, and, yeah, I, I expect them to be in the mix for the title. And if they're not, then I think Allegri is going to struggle to defend, to defend it. Just one more thing on Juventus, actually, because this has been dominating the headlines the last few days. Rabiot to Man United. Um, as we speak on Thursday night, it seems a bit touch and go. It, it seems the two clubs have agreed a fee, but there's some issues with personal terms. Um, I think that's the latest as we speak. What do you make of, of that first, Michael, and, and then Francesco, you can, you can dive in as well? Because, you know, Rabiot's never really found it at Juve, has he? Do you see what Man United see or does this seem a bit strange to you? Well, we were talking about who's done the best transfer business before and I think there's a case for Juventus doing it solely on the basis of getting rid of Rabiot for £17 million to Manchester United, which is probably a bit harsh. I mean, I think he's a big improvement on McTominay in terms of playing ability at Manchester United. Uh, I don't think he's as bad a footballer as everyone makes out, but is he with all the issues you risk off the field? I know he's been a little bit more low-key during his time in Turin, but I feel like the Manchester United atmosphere is not very conducive um, to keeping that down. And I, I, I don't know, it seems pretty disastrous if you ask me from a United perspective. But yeah, I think Juventus should be rubbing their hands and getting rid of a player who's probably never really going to reach the heights that many hoped he would. And how about you, uh, Francesco? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you've you've already said everything. I think I I, I actually think that Rabiot, when he left Paris Saint Germain, looked like a a good player uh, with real potential. But um, he's just not done it at Juve, and especially considering how much he gets paid, they just haven't had the return. So I'm with Michael that it it makes sense for him to leave, and uh, well, it would make sense for Juve to get rid of him. And you know, I I wouldn't 
rule out the possibility of him kind of reviving his career. One thing I would say, though, is I don't know if some of the personal terms are coming from his agent, who is also his mother. I, I read something this week that one of the things in his contract, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but one of the things in his contract that that he, you know, his agent insisted that he could not be used as a defensive midfielder, but had to play as kind of one of the on the players behind the strikers or, or out wide. So, I, I mean, that would seem crazy if that were true, but I can see why personal terms might be an issue if that sort of thing is going on. Yeah, the Rabio one certainly seems a bit of a, a strange one. And we'll, we'll have to see if that actually goes through because earlier in the week, United were also linked with Marco Arnautovic, which I think is probably even stranger, but, but that one's not happening anymore. Um, on to Napoli. And um, we've said, you know, they've lost Mertens, Insigne, Koulibaly, even Davide Ospina's gone, Goulam, all these players. So, Michael, do you think they can cope without their losses? It, it seemed last season, for most of it, they were in the title race and, and it seemed like a really good chance for them to win it. So, do you think, can they replicate finishing third or do you see them slipping down the table a bit? I think third is probably the best they could do, but I wouldn't expect them to be mounting, being third in the title race. I really think they're going to be there's just too much rebuilding being taken place this summer. I think if they get top four, they've had a fantastic season, in all honesty. I think that they've got a brilliant coach and they've got some really good players coming in, some really exciting players who have got the best year still to come. You know, we didn't mention, we talked about Raspadori and stuff like that. I mean, you should be joining also Giovanni Simeone. Let's not forget Caleb Navas that's set to join with Fabian Ruiz departing, another player we... I mentioned that it's a completely new look team, really, this Napoli side. I really hope that the fans sort of see the potential and promise in this team and do really back them and the manager, because I think the patience will really pay off if they do. I think long term, there's a clear vision here. There's a clear identity that they're trying to build and, you know, that they want to be this fluid, really exciting attacking team that have going to not dominate Italian football in the next year. I think they will acknowledge that's not really a realistic target, but in the next few years that there is that potential there, especially with it, you know, that for all the players that have gone, they've made sure of keeping hold of Victor Simeon. And I think that's very telling of, you know, where they are at club, club at the moment. They're really looking to the future, but short term wise, I think it is going to be a transition season. But I think they'll have some really bright games and I think they'll be quite um, a fun team to follow. But I'd, I'd probably say Europa League places is where I'm expecting them to be. How about you, Francesco? Yeah, I, I'm probably a little bit more upbeat on Napoli's chances than Michael. Um, but I do agree that, uh, you know, top four is probably the best they can hope for. And um, I think that is going to be tricky. Uh, I would say, though, that the fact that they're going into the season, you know, without as much expectation might suit them. Um, and also losing kind of the final pieces of Sarri's Napoli might also help in a certain sense. It might help Spalletti. You know, this does feel like quite a new team now. Um, and and it's still a good side. You know, they've got lots of good players. We, we've mentioned Clara, who's come in. I think he, he looks interesting. You know, Michael's just underlined how, you know, how I think we all feel about Aussie men, such a good striker, possibly the best in the league. You know, they've still got Lozano, Zielinski, they've got lots of quality players. Um, I, I don't think Ruiz is a done deal yet. And that could be kind of, 
the difference between them getting top four and, and not getting top four, I think losing him would be a, a huge blow. So, yeah, I, I think they have a chance of finishing the top four, but I'm not sure if, if they'll make it. Yeah, certainly going to be an interesting year for, for Napoli. As you said, a bit of a transition for them away from, you know, the team that sort of Mauricio Sarri built. And, and now we'll see how Spalletti can get on in second season. And, and it's also going to be a second season for Jose Mourinho. Of course, he ended last season winning the Europa Conference League, um, Roma's first silverware since 2008. Um, and there's real excitement about this team. We've spoken about the signings they've made. Their final pre-season friendly last week, I don't know if you saw it, but, you know, they packed out Stadio Olimpico. The fans were singing you know, the, the club anthem before the game, which, which went viral. It was it was amazing. I think Dybala was quite shocked by it, actually. He's like, you know, experiencing that for the first time. I, I guess, I think some fans think they can mount a title challenge, Michael, which is, is a jump from finishing sixth last year. Is that realistic or is, is the next step getting back into the Champions League this season? I don't have a clue. I think it's going to be entertaining. I've kind of got two visions of where Roma are going to go this season. The exciting one from a Roma perspective is that it's going to be sort of the second coming of Mourinho. We're seeing something really special being built here. There were signs towards it towards the end of last season. He has got a lot of good, solid foundations to work on for this season as well. The catches are eye-catching. They certainly will bring a lot. And in theory, why couldn't they push? I mean, you look, they dropped so many stupid points last season if they were able to eradicate that. And if it is this unpredictable Serie A season we've talked about, then yeah, you know, why not? And maybe we're on the verge of seeing something really special. Alternatively, I think it could be a bit disastrous. I think that... There is, if we look at the more recent Jose Mourinho, we look at the pressure, the, you know, the excitement now, but that can very quickly turn into pressure. We see maybe Mourinho's man management, not quite what it was with a lot of high-profile players, yet he's brought in a number of high-profile players. Have Will all the players be able to gel quickly enough? Will they all be able to suit the style of football that he's going to command from them? And, you know, will they all be energize and will it you know what if the atmosphere does turn toxic are the characters necessarily the best ones to get out of that and I'm not sure that's the case I think Wijnaldum, Matic and Dybala all had in different seasons and they got a point to prove but that can always go one or two ways you know it's not always going to work out well regardless of the quality of a player and could that unsettle some of the players who were you know really central the likes of Pellegrini, the likes of Tammy Abraham. I'm sure Tammy Abraham's going to play a massive part, but players across the squad, Cristante, you know. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there this season. Um, so I'm going to basically just mesh the two together and say I don't have a clue how they're going to get on. <laughs> um, I mean, we, we look at that team and I think, Francesco, you mentioned earlier, the sort of front seven. It looks like they're probably going to start off maybe like a 3-4-1-2 with, with um, you know, Karlsdorf or Selic on the right. Um, maybe Vinaldum and Pellegrini with Spinazzola on the left and Ibala behind Abraham and Zaniola. That, that's, you know, purely guesswork, but I think it's going to be something like that. That looks really strong. However, we've, we've spoken about 
Juve and Inter's defence, perhaps, you know, if, if they lose Grinia, perhaps looking a little bit shaky. Is that defence the worry for you with Roma as well, um, Francesco? In turn, it seems a lot rests on Smalling staying fit because he's got a couple of inexperienced guys around him who are quite hot-headed. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like Roma's defenders are, they're all a bit overrated. I don't really understand why Mancini is so highly rated. Um, I think Smallin is okay, but uh, he, he also has his moments. And I think Ibanez, you know, Ibanez is probably, in terms of athletic and technical ability, is probably the best of the three of them. But again, he's a, he's a hothead. Um, I mean, you just don't know what Mancini is going to do at any point. I th- I, I, you know, he, he's always one second away from being sent off, it feels like. And and he's just not that good a defender. I think he's slow. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't really understand that, the, the, you know, the excitement about him. I don't really understand why he's he's been so many Italy sides. And that is a worry for Roma because, you know, my, my setup for Roma would be slightly different to yours, but it's more or less the same. And and going forwards, I, I, lo- I love what they've done. I, I think Matic and Wijnaldum are a huge improvement in midfield on what they had. Oliver and Cristante, who feel like sometimes they feel like the slowest players in Serie A. I don't really, uh, Oliver, I was pretty rubbish last season. I was really disappointed with him. And I think I think Matic and Wijnaldum are going to add so much. And playing them in the midfield with, with kind of Pellegrini and maybe Dybala and Abraham up front, I think the return of Spinazzola could be such a big plus for them. I, I really hope he stays fit because he, he is such a great wide player and also Zalewski uh, you know Zalewski and Spinazzola are both right footed they've been yeah. playing on the left but I don't see why one of them couldn't play on the right um, so it really you know and that's without mentioning Daniolo and and you know Abraham as well you know they've got so many good attacking players so uh, you know I really hope they do well I really hope Mourinho sets them up in a way where they can they can show their quality um, but I am concerned about the defence I think Mancini got something like 20 yellow cards last season in all competitions. It was absolutely ridiculous. I, yeah, I, I can't, I don't think I know anyone who's ever got that many. I remember in the, just looking back at like the Premier League, I remember Fellaini used to get about 15 a season. Uh, Cheek Teote, um, when he was at Newcastle, got around that amount as well, a couple of seasons on the trot. But yeah, stupid numbers. But you, you okay. don't yeah, understand. You'd understand it more if he was, um, you know, if he was making a huge difference to the side when he was playing, when he's not suspended. But I don't really feel that he is. So, yeah, it's a strange one. I think there are even some videos that came out of Roma's celebrations from the Europa Conference League where he's like hitting his own teammates yeah. and stuff. As well, well, there's also one with a fan earlier this season, which is a bit str- just straight. He just seems like quite an interesting character, not necessarily in a good way. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm not sure. I think interesting is being quite polite, but there you go. Um, okay, here we go. Here's the fun part. We're going to do predictions. So, Michael, I will come to you first. I want you to tell me who you think the champions will be and who will make up the rest of the top four. And I want it in order, please. I'll go from fourth to first because I feel like it uh, makes it a bit more, add a bit more suspense. I will go for fourth place with my... In fact, I definitely should have done this a while other way because my fourth place is my wild card. Um, but yeah, Lazio, I think, will get fourth. I really think they're going to have a good season under Sarri. I think third place will be AC Milan. I think second place will be Juventus. And I think first place will be Inter Milan. Okay. Uh, Frank, 
Francesco. What was that? Go on, Francesco. No, no Roma. You're not, you, you haven't got Roma in there. No Roma, no Napoli. Okay, that's, no, that's, good. that's I'm, good. I'm a bit surprised, but okay, let's go with you, Francesco. Yeah, I mean, mine is actually quite similar to Michael's. I, uh, But I I was undecided between Roma and Napoli for fourth. I have gone for Roma. And then I've got Milan third. And this is the most difficult one. I think probably at the moment, uh, Juve second and Inter first. But that could, you know, that could change the next time I read an article about their pre-seasons because they've both been... Every, every time you read an article about both of them, it tells you how terribly they're doing. But on paper, I feel like they, they have got the strongest side. So I do expect really those two to be, to be fighting out the title. I, I'm going to be controversial here. Um, and I don't want it to sound like I'm being a hater at all. Um, Juventus will not win the league this season. No chance. I, I, I don't. I, I feel. I feel like the atmosphere at the club isn't great. I. I don't believe in what Allegri's doing. It's not happening for me. I don't think they're getting above fourth this season. So what's your top four? My 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 four is um, Juventus fourth, um, okay. Roma third, Milan second, Inter win. Okay, to my four. We I feel like if Inter do lose that centre back, though, we could all be talking, having a completely yeah, conversation. Uh, maybe, maybe we've we all got them winners. Maybe we should redo this on September the first or whatever. But um, yeah, Juve won't win the title. Maybe that's my controversial opinion. Does that count as a controversial opinion? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I think having them fourth is more than non, not having. They finished the fourth the last two years. And, yeah. and speaking of four, they lost four 0 to Atletico last. <laughs> so yeah, it's not looking good. But yeah, I might be wrong. And um, let's see. Uh, at the other end of the table, I want to get your three teams that are going to be relegated. So um, yeah, Michael, you go first, please. Uh, so excuse my pronunciation on it. I'm Cremonese. Uh, is that right, Francesco? Cremonese, yeah. Uh, Lecce, so two of the promoted teams, and then. I'm torn between two. I'm torn between Sampdoria and Spezia, but I'm going to go Spezia. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Sampdoria are all those teams last year where I thought they were doing all right the whole season. And then with about five games to go, I thought, what if they get relegated? (laughs) Like, How has this happened? They're definitely not one of the worst three teams, but in the end, they avoided it quite comfortably. But... Yeah, that's interesting. You think Mons are going to be okay, and I'm, I, I think that's the general yeah. consensus. I think they look like they, they, you know, um, done well in the transfer market. How, how about you, Francesco? Yeah, I've gone for exactly the same three. I think um, Lech and Clemon is, a, you know, they, they are, they haven't made any signings that make me believe that they're going to be able to take the step up and stay in the league. Um, and Spezia of the rest of the sides probably look like the weakest, but you know, I think what Michael says about Samp is is valid. The other team I think that are worth a mention here are Torino. Um, I know they had a good season last season, but they've they've lost some of their most important players, and um, you know, if you think about it, they've lost uh, so Pobega, Belotti. Bremer, Brecola, all really important players for Torino last season. I think Dioric, you know, if, I don't know if either of you guys saw the footage of him arguing with the with their sporting director Vignati. Yeah, didn't he tell him like you don't know what you're doing or something yeah, like that? Obviously, yeah, obviously, 
obviously really furious about what they've done in the transfer market so far. Um, and I'm not seeing, I, they brought in Moranchuk, who I think is a pretty tidy player, but I'm not sure he's going to, you know, he's going to make the difference. And I could, see, you know, I, I can see a scenario where Jorich, three seasons, three games into the season, just said, you know, I'm not doing it and leaving. And if that did happen, I think if Jorich stays for the duration of the season, that'll be fine. But if they, you know, if he says, no, I've had enough of this, and he does seem pretty annoyed at the moment, then uh, I could see them being in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think if Juris left, it would obviously change things. I do think sort of in response to that, we have seen Miranchuk and uh, Nikola Vlasic, who I think is a terrific sign and obviously struggled at West Ham, but we've seen his ability for CSK Moscow over the years and the national, Croatian national side. And you looked at the impact that his compatriot Brekalo had on loan from Wolfsburg last season, and he was maybe one of the surprises of the season. I'm really excited for Torino. I think they will really be fighting to be the best of the rest this season. I think the transfer business has maybe gone under the radar. I think they've got Radonjic in from Marseille, who's sort of very, very solid signing for Torino. Lazaro, we've seen him before. If Pellegri can kick on, obviously losing Bellotti, but I like the way that Jorich really kind of transitioned Torino away from Bellotti last season. I thought it was managed expertly, really. And... I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually really excited for Torino this season. I think if I was to have a bit of a surprise one that would a team that would struggle, I'd go for the team that finished above them and I'd go Elas Morona. I think losing Simeone, that looks like he's about to go Caprari to Monza, which is a really demoralising move in my opinion. And Casala, who we're talking about with Lazio, I think I'm a bit concerned for them, and I think I'm a bit worried. You know, um, change in management as well. There's they're, they're under pressure this season, I think. And they were this time last year also, and they did surprise everyone, so never write them off. Yeah, that's interesting with Torino and, and Nikola Vlasic. I feel like, yeah, maybe he'll do well and then someone like Aston Villa will pick him up and he'll go and have a shite season for them because he just seems to pop up in the Premier League every so often and then everyone's like, oh, he's rubbish again. And, and, then, he, and then he goes off again. Um, just one last thing before we finish. Um, neither of you have mentioned Salonitana, who, of course, stayed up miraculously last season. So you both think they're going to be all right? Yeah, I, I think Salonitana are going to be... I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't go down. Uh, I think they, you know, their aim is definitely to stay safe. But they've they made, you know, loads of signings last season. They brought in more interesting players this season. Um you know, Pirola from Inter Lovato. There's some, there's some decent players there. And, um, you know, they've kept hold of Ribery. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much, how much of a contribution he'll make, but but I feel like they are in a in a good place. And, yeah, I think Lecce and Cremonese are are going to be left behind everyone else. And of the rest of the sides, you know, if you ask me to choose between Salernitana and, and Spezia, for example, I think Spezia probably, you know, are the team that, that I choose. But, you know, Salernitana will still be, you know, they're still going to be down there, I think. Yeah, Michael? Yeah, I, I, I'm similar. I think they'll be, they will be in and around the relegation fight. I don't think they're going to have a cosy season or anything. But I think we saw signs of really good recruitment last January. Recruitment's been quite good this summer. I saw Tony Vilhena's joined from Espanyol. I think it's a good sign. And I think they're signing players from other leagues who I think will fit into they're not standout names but I think they'll sort of fit into Serie A quite nicely Bradaric from uh, Lille is another eye-catching one um, the one concern I would have with them is the departure and this is I think maybe Atalanta's best bit of 
summer business was to get Edison, the central, the young Brazilian central midfielder. I think he's got loads of potential. And I think that's maybe why Gasparini is happy to let Freuler go to Nottingham Forest, because I think he'll be there to fill a similar role, energetic, kind of box-to-box, but more defensively-minded midfield. And he was pivotal to them staying up. So seeing how they adjust to him will be key. I know they signed Bohinen, I think, permanently from CSK. So, uh, but, you know, big boots to fill, nevertheless. And they, don't don't forget, they've also signed Candreva. So, you know, one of Serie A's goats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> cross it for fun. Yeah, well, I I, enjoy, I look forward to watching 25 crosses next season per game. Always good. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. It's been a great episode. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Really looking forward to the season and, and, and hope you are as well. And we'll all catch you again soon. Bye-bye.